Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Darkcast Network. Welcome to the dark side of podcasting. Back to Autumn's Oddities. I'm Autumn. I've got no business. Uh, nothing really to tell you about up top, other than um, you know, if you follow me on social media, you are probably already sick of, of the amount of Halloween and like scary related materials and memes and pictures and so on and so forth that I have been posting. This is me all year round. Um, it's, it's not like a, like a seasonal thing. It's me all year. My parents were right when they named me autumn, they didn't know it, but they could not have picked a more accurate name. Uh, Halloween is not like a person, you know, how some people are like, Halloween is my personality for so many months. No, this is like, this is a lifestyle for me. If you come into my house, it kind of always looks like it's decorated for Halloween. I watch horror movies year round. They soothe me. I watch like haunted shows constantly. I make Halloween crafts all the time. I spent like a couple hours doing that yesterday. Um, not that I really have any free time, but you know, it soothes me. It helps stem my neurodivergent brain. Uh, speaking of the season, you know, tis the season, the Halloween season. I don't like saying spooky season because I feel like it's been appropriated by uh, people. I'm not going to label them, but you know, some people that don't share a whole lot in common with me who do try to make Halloween like a personality trait, but like these are just my interest. I've veered off topic. Very clearly, these are my interests because I've made a whole friggin' podcast about it. But today's episode is a haunting. I haven't done one of those in a while. They're a little bit difficult to do, you know, because most of most of them are fairly unsubstantiated, not very well documented, unless, you know, somebody like the Warrens went in and did a whole investigation. But this one actually is documented. And to make it even better, uh, it took place in uh, in an area called the Black Forest, not Germany, but Colorado. So let's get into it. Portals 
yeah, we're going right there. Portals are a phenomenon that act as a gateway to another plane of existence. Have you ever seen a portal? If you've seen Donnie Darko, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes referred to as an energy vortex or just very simply a vortex, they allow spirits and other supernatural beings to pass through into our world. One family bought a house not knowing that they very well may have moved into an active portal in the Black Forest of Colorado, which is reportedly one of the most haunted places in the United States. In 1995, the television show Sightings was called upon to investigate the strange happenings at the Lee family home. What the show's investigators found was just a little bit of the phenomenon that the Lees had been living with since they moved into the home. So what really was happening in that home on Swan Road? Was it sitting on a portal? Is it? It's still there. Is it sitting on a portal between the living and the dead? Or was it something much more pedestrian and less sinister, uh, but still scary? Was it caused by our own government? You decide. Ghostly faces and apparitions, lurking shadowy figures, eerie noises, and strange chemical odors. These are just a few of the many things that have been seen and heard on the Lee property. In 1990, long-haul truck driver Steve Lee decided to move his family into the house in Colorado Springs after visiting and falling in love with the area. A Louisiana native, Steve was particularly enamored with the area of Black Forest, Colorado, which is a densely wooded, roughly 200,000-acre area north of Colorado Springs, whose majestic splendor is matched only by its peaceful tranquility. And majestic is one of my favorite words. I call my daughter that about 80 times a day. After years of renting homes in the area, the family finally found a beautiful, spacious two-story log home off of Swan Road, which is in the densest part of the woods. We're already off to a good start. They're finding an extremely secluded house or cabin in the woods even better. It was everything the family wanted and more. They leased the home and a year later decided to purchase the house, which was on a five-acre parcel of land, and that's when their troubles began. It's said that the area of the Black Forest was named by a German immigrant who, you know, obviously thought that the area resembled his native country, the Black Forest of Germany. The high density of ponderosa pines in the area play a central role in its somewhat murky appearance. It's part of a larger area called the Pineries that encompasses a 1,000 square mile area. So we're going to do the thing that people love to do. Uh, they're going to blame it on the Native Americans since there is undisputable or indisputable evidence that Native Americans did live on the land before, of course, these settlers came in and took over the area in the late 1850s. A multitude of artifacts that were unearthed uh, very clearly point to this, including arrowheads and charcoal pits that date back some 800 years. The first known tribes to populate the area were the Utes and the Comanches, who used the thickly wooded areas for timber that they cut down and then constructed shelters and also used the wood to fuel their own fires. It also provided adequate cover from prying eyes. 
you know, got to get into that guerrilla warfare. They don't know the woods. You know, the enemy coming in doesn't know the woods like the native di natives did. Around 1800, the Kiowa tribe began to establish their presence, but were eventually driven out by the Arapaho and the Cheyenne tribes who united to drive out the opposing tribe. Theirs would be the last Native American habitation of the Black Forest region. It didn't take long for the value of the scarce forest timbers to be realized, as it so often is. And by 1860, a bunch of sawmills came in and started just cutting down the trees. The vast majority of the work would center around providing railway ties for the Kansas Pacific, the Rio Grande, and the Denver railroads, as well as bracing, you know, things that hold up the mines located in Colorado Springs and Denver. Lumber was also supplied for the building of homes, big duh, and businesses in the surrounding areas. So this is a lumber area. Of course, there's a lot of trees. This is good wood for building. And people came in, as they always do, and decided they could make money off of something. The lumber industry, in varying degrees, would continue in the region until the 1950s. After that, farming and ranching began to take a more dominant role, and the crops and livestock raised were pretty diverse, but it was the potato crops that yielded the biggest return and brought more widespread prominence to the region. The crops, however, were always subject to just a lot of natural issues like droughts, inclement weather, and infestations that abounded in the Black Forest. Soon, agriculture gave way to a consolidation of much of the land into larger and more productive ranches. By the late 1950s and early 1960s, housing subdivisions began to spring up. Yeah, and they used to be seasonal developments. Obviously, workers would come in during the months that weren't too difficult to work, and they would live there and work. But soon, the homes and settlements became year-round residences. Much of the land was zoned into five-acre plots, similar to what the Lee family purchased some 30 years later. The Black Forest also sits on the southern edge of what is known as the Denver Basin. And that basin is mainly comprised of granite, uplifted granite, dating back some 50 to 1 million years. So some very old granite. And there's also a layer of thinner sandstone and shale, which allows groundwater to flow. Okay, now that we know about the region that they moved to, let's get back to the haunting. So Steve and Bethley and their two children moved into the house, not knowing what the place had in store for them. The previous owner did not tell them about what he had seen or experienced in the house. I'll get into that a little more later, but he had a lot of his own experiences. The family settled down and they were very happy that they had finally found their dream home. What followed, though, was hardly a dream, more like a nightmare. Unbeknownst to the Lees, the previous owner allegedly had experienced very intense paranormal activity there. He didn't share his experiences because he thought, you know, he's like, they're just going to laugh at me and call me crazy. I'm just going to keep it to myself. When the family did purchase the home, they did not realize that they were basically going in blind to a swirling supernatural portal. The activity started fairly small, you know, as hauntings usually do, with lights and electronic devices turning off and on, and the occasional weird noise. Weird, you know, but not unheard of in homes surrounded by trees and also in older homes. 
But the horrors didn't stop at just sounds and flashing lights. Things really ramped up when the children began to see shadowy figures lurking in the woods around the home. Yeah, and I'm sure their parents believed them when they said there's something outside, like, lurking about. Soon, the entire family was affected by a recurring chemical odor that burned their throats and, you know, obviously everything connected to that. So the two Lee boys consistently reported seeing weird lights and shadows in their rooms and lights and appliances would just turn on and off by themselves. And you know how parents are. I'm sure they're like, it's faulty wiring. Like every single horror movie ever. But one of the strangest phenomenon that I just briefly mentioned was the untraceable chemical odors that burn the family members' eyes and throats. Steve Lee, in true dad and horror movie fashion, did not believe the activity was paranormal at all. You know, he did everything he could to explain it away. He suspected that someone was trying to scare the family out of their new home. So he installed a state-of-the-art security system complete with video surveillance and motion detectors. However, after they installed the motion detectors and cameras, they were convinced that it wasn't, you know, some local yokels trying to run them out. The motion detectors started going off when nothing seemed to be near them. And eventually, it led to something like 62 alleged break-ins. Yeah, that's how many times the cameras went off, like detecting someone was breaking in or the security system. And the problem was that there was not one single piece of evidence that anyone had been inside the home, even though the motion detectors were tripping, the security system was going off, but there was nobody on the surveillance cameras and absolutely nothing was missing. In fact, local authorities would make 65 separate trips to the cabin, never finding any proof of any sort of criminal activity. Over the next four years of living there, the family had, like I said, something like 62 unexplained quote-unquote break-ins, not to mention the El Paso County Sheriff's Department opened an investigation in 1993 and conducted 45 follow-ups, but never found anything at all. So the family drained their life savings eventually, trying to catch whoever was causing the disturbances and Steve, he, I mean, he, he bought every camera he could find. He thought that like there was an issue with the camera. It was some electrical thing. Something was wrong with the surveillance equipment. He did everything. And he even hired a private investigator to come in because, you know, he's like, well, the police must just not be very good here. Let's hire an outsider found absolutely nothing through the captured footage of Steve's security system. Odd occurrences like light streaks, strange shadows, and even what looked like translucent faces can be seen. After buying or renting every camera he could, Steve finally admitted that something paranormal was going on in his home. I mean, come on. Like, you're buying every camera in town. You're spending your life savings. Like, instead of doing that, just believe your family when they say they're seeing stuff. Like, come on. For 62 break-ins? Give me a break. So the hot spots included a wall next to their satellite dish, the living room, and the master bedroom. And Beth Lee, in a book entitled Haunted Places, the National Directory had this to say about like one of the big moments that they realized like this was not something natural going on. She said, one day we came home and it was like the 4th of July in our living room and bedroom. 
We had all kinds of lights flashing through, and it sounded like people stomping across the roof. We would lay in bed at night and hear chains rattling. No. One night we woke up and heard orchestra music. Okay. Strange things started happening every day. Uh, I'm like, I no, I don't like any of that. Like the orchestra music is fine. I'd be like, can you guys just like keep it down? If you're going to do the orchestral music, um, you know, no, like, no, like John Philip Sousa, nothing loud, nothing with cymbals, just like keep the orchestral music down, but you can play it. So being convinced that their issues were not natural, not of this world, the Lees decided to bring in some help. While ghost hunter shows seem to be on like every channel these days, sightings was like one of the original supernatural shows. And the show paid a visit to the Black Forest and extensively captured what has become one of the most famous hauntings in America. From the start, the spirits made their presence known to the production crew. Cameras were knocked off their tripods and a producer appeared to go through uh, an attempted possession. Yeah, so sightings showed up in 1995, and they the crew brought in a psychic medium, one Echo Bodine, who quickly identified a threatening male spirit in the living room. Not just him, though. She identified 20 more spirits, at least, and she judged the level of otherworldly activity in the house as, quote, monumental. In a very creepy turn, one of those spirits was identified as someone the family actually knew, a son of a friend who had died of an overdose. And the apparition reportedly told the medium that, no, he hadn't died of an accidental overdose. He had been murdered. So during the filming of a discussion with the psychic and the Lees at the kitchen table, Beth Lee felt as though someone was holding her down. So disconcerting was the sensation that she walked away from the table mid-interview. Suddenly, a member of the crew felt something go into her, and her chest, arms, and legs became numb. And this is that attempted possession that I, that I talked about. Becoming emotionally distraught, she burst into tears and collapsed first into a set of stairs leading to the basement, and then into a chair, and she was just unable to compose herself. EMF detectors placed in the room began to register significant disturbances that coincided with these incidents. While trying to calm down the terrified woman, Echo performed a smudging ritual in the kitchen where the incident took place. But the woman said that she was not able to feel normal until she was back in her own home and very far away from the Lee house. Perhaps the most bizarre occurrence on that night actually manifest, manifested about two weeks later when Steve Lee, who had been snapping pictures that night, discovered that in one photo, it appeared that a dagger-shaped white light was like aimed at his forehead. So it looked like a knife going into his forehead. The following day, he awoke to find himself in terrible pain and had a large lump on his forehead. He immediately checked himself into a hospital. He had a CAT scan taken, and he was told that there was really no cause for the injury that they could find, and he was treated for the pain and released. The activity, however, was about to become more threatening. The crew, you know, they saw so much activity. They were probably like jazzed as hell. They're like, oh, my God, we actually saw some shit. We never see anything. You know how most 
ghost hunter shows typically are it's somebody saying what was that and you're like i heard absolutely nothing did you see that no i didn't see anything i didn't hear anything i didn't see anything i don't think you did either because i don't think most people are capable of seeing spiritual or you know whatever it is ghostly phenomenon i don't think most people are capable of seeing it but six months later they came back because they were super hyped and they brought a n- another renowned psychic one peter james who said that he immediately felt a pool a pool a pull a p-u-l-l not a pool not a swimming pool he felt a pull like a yank of powerful psychic energy on the property He confirmed the first medium's finding, pinpointing much of the hauntings as originating from an upstairs closet and also from a 100-year-old mirror kept in the master bedroom. While touring the house, James was overwhelmed by the burning chemical odor mentioned earlier and suddenly asked if the name Howard meant anything to the family. Steve and Beth were both taken aback because that was the name of their dear friend who Beth Beth called their adopted granddaddy for the last 10 years. As they revealed more about the old friend, the chemical smell began to make sense. As it turned out, Howard's son, Howard Jr., was the one who had died of a drug overdose in the 60s. And remember, that's what the first medium that came in the house said, but she didn't identify the person by name. So Howard Jr.'s best friend was apparently a pharmacist and would sneak the two drugs so they could get high together. James felt that Howard Jr. entered a, quote, rift in space time on the property because he wanted to somehow contact his father. Steve right then had to take a moment to compose himself, saying, there's no way on God's earth that he could have known about Howard. Yeah. Also, like if you're going to guess a name, Howard's a weird one to guess. The house had been visited by several psychics and paranormal experts who unanimously agreed that the Black Forest House is one of the few locations on this planet that connects our world to the next. The closet in the master bedroom is suspected to be a portal to the other side, and that 100-year-old mirror in the room was an endless source of just like photographs of apparitions and floating faces. Apparently, anybody who took a picture of this mirror could see stuff in it. Maybe sensing that the presence of Native Americans on this land some 800 years ago in some way was contributing to the phenomenon that they had been experiencing, the Lees went ahead and consulted with a Hopi shaman who came to their home and gave his impressions. The Hopi shaman consulted and reported that the Black Forest, that area, is what he called a rainbow vortex, which is a gateway between the worlds of the living and the dead. While the spirits that are traveling through the rift aren't necessarily haunting the property, they are using it as kind of a pit stop into our world. Simply put, you know, if if simple can be applied to an issue like a rainbow vortex, it's a gateway between the living and the dead worlds, a place where the laws of physics allow the dead to pass into the living world and where the living can connect with the dead. I mean, I guess you'd have to know how to use it. I don't know how, not going to look into it because I don't want to be opening any business like that. Adding, they also added that another researcher from the same field said the same thing and said that there were only three known locations in the world of a rainbow vortex. The other two vortices are in Arizona and in London. At first, the family was not ready to believe the whole vortex or gateway theory, 
But then the psychics explained that the ghostly appearance of a dog recently. Yeah, they said there was a dog and the family owned a dog who had died while they were there and it showed up in ghostly form. So, yeah, I guess I might believe that, too, if, you know, if you had a dog pass away and then it shows up again. Yeah, maybe there's something to that theory. But not everyone is convinced that there. But not everyone is convinced that there's a supernatural explanation for what's happening in the Black Forest. Mr. Steve Lee himself has been quoted in several places talking about his theory on the events at the cabin. And guess what? It's good old fashioned government conspiracy. He has told a few reporters that he felt from the beginning that there were trespassers on the property, which would explain, you know, him spending his life savings on security and surveillance equipment, and that his cabin was near a government facility that does top secret experiments. Lee related that security personnel guarded an area nearby the home, and he claimed that he saw some men clad in black, uh, also some armed men lurking around the property, and that he suspects that the whole experience that the family has gone through was nothing more than an experiment in mind control, which that ain't making a whole lot of sense, Steve, but he has expressed his beliefs that the government was testing biological weapons, psychic warfare, mind control, and laser holograms. Steve, you might want to just pipe pipe down. Like, I think the ghost theories are, <laughs> are less apt to get you put into an institution or get you put on medication than laser hologram theories. Um, he even tried to bring the FBI into his whole theory without really any success. He said, I truly think the U.S. government has had a hand in this. I don't think anyone individual could get away with this for this period of time without getting caught. The government does testing out here, and that has military implications. Oh, Steve. All right. Yeah, he took a hard turn. He really does not want to believe, does he? Because the TV show drummed up so much interest on the Lee family property, many, many people have tried to debunk the haunted house theory. And this includes a state senator who went there to take pictures <laughs> and also an electromagnetics expert. These two men, as well as many others, have walked away believers. Interestingly, it was reported that the Lee family put the property up for sale in 2013, which was the same year that the Black Forest Fire decimated much of the area. However, it's also been reported that Steve Lee has chased people off the property as recently as 2016, which, I mean, it's his house, it's private property, he is allowed to chase people off. Also, probably all of his security cameras are going off, so he's probably like, stop setting my fucking cameras off, get off my lawn, get out of my woods. So, I don't know, we'll probably never know the truth about the events in that house. But today at the Lee house, doors still open and close by themselves, appliances turn on and off, objects just disappear, and alarms and cameras go off for no reason. People still see shadowy figures and disembodied voices can be seen and heard. So white light forms can be seen as well as red and yellow ones. And an apparition of an old lady has been seen by many, a little girl, uh, a man dressed like a lumberjack from the 1800s, and also a flying dog. Yeah, not to mention the hundreds of faces photographed in that bedroom mirror. But guess what? The Lee family 
as far as I could tell, back as you know, recently as 2021, the Lee family still lives in that home. All right. So what do we think is going on here? Do we think that this is a rainbow vortex? Do we think that <laughs> the government is experimenting on this poor family? Yeah, no, I, I don't think that the government has much of anything to do with this. I, I Maybe if they're dosing the family with hallucinogens, that's the only thing I could think of. But I think poor old Steve Lee is just really, really afraid of what's happening in his house um, and very afraid to admit that it's something, you know, unexplainable, like something paranormal. It's not much better to say, hey, the government's, you know, screwing around with my house and my family and conducting mind control experiments on us and so on and so forth. I don't really think that's any more comforting than, you know, the ghost explanation or the vortex explanation. Um, do I believe in vortices? I guess. I don't know. Nobody's proven that they don't exist. Um, you know, again, I say this all the time. There's so much that we don't know about our planet, about the universe, about time, about space. We we have barely scratched the surface. There's so much that we don't understand. And I can't, I, I just don't think we can say, no, that doesn't exist. No, that's not a thing. Uh, again, what are the traditional spirits? Are they the souls of human beings? Are they residual energy? Are they beings on another plane of existence? Are they someone passing through time and space? Like there's, a, I think the possibilities are truly endless. Uh, but as long as the ghosts or whatever the hell they are in the Lee family home aren't hurting anyone, um, I guess it's okay. It would be annoying as hell for lights to go on and off all the time and like loud noises. I, I would be super pissed at that because I hyper focus on things. I have to sleep with brown noise on. Yes, brown noise, not white noise. It's at a different frequency. I have to sleep with that on as loud as possible um, because I hyper focus on any little noise that's part of my, uh, I guess my being on the spectrum. But I don't know. That's the only thing that would bother me. I wouldn't really want to see shadowy figures darting about. I have seen that before. Freaks me the F out because like something's there. You see it. You know you saw it, but it's gone a moment later. You're like, are my eyes playing tricks on me? Was something really there? I, I tend to think that something is usually there. Uh, sidebar, have you ever been to a cemetery and seen shadow people? Because I have. Have you ever lived across the street from a cemetery and seen them in your house or outside your door? Because I have. Yeah. Okay. Fun Fun story time. When I lived in Tampa, one of the houses I lived in there, um, I rented a house like toward the end of law school. And it was right across the street from a cemetery, which I loved. Oh, I was thrilled. And I went into it all the time. And just like took stuff off, you know, like dirt and debris off people's gravestones, headstones. If they had like anything sitting out in front of them that had knocked, fallen over, been knocked over, whatever, I picked it up. And the first, this is a weird story. The very first grave that I ever did that with in there had like all these crystals hanging from a tree and had like all these angel figurines around it. And I couldn't see the date on the headstone. There were some like 
something vine, something like a vine growing over it or moss. And after I like cleaned it up and took the moss away, the woman who was buried there died on the exact day and year that I was born. Yeah. February 15th, 1985. I saw that and I was like, that's bizarre. And I was drawn to it and I couldn't even see the day that she died, but she died on the day, the exact day that I was born. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I saw her as a shadow person though, but I did go into that cemetery one night uh, and sleep. Yeah. Don't start with me. I did a stupid drunk thing. Uh, (laughs) And I mean, I was really drunk. I think I was dosed that night. I went to uh, a bar opening or an anniversary party at a bar or something. I had one beer and I left there in an Uber out of my mind. Like, yeah, I didn't know where I was. And I ended up going into the cemetery and sleeping because I was that messed up. I could not get myself into my house. Like, I, I don't think I lost my keys. I just was too out of it to even open a door. Um, but it, like in that story, like, I'm glad I got away from whoever was trying to drug me. I know I had to have been drugged because like I had one beer and I used to have a an insane tolerance. I don't really drink anymore, but I had a really high tolerance. So one beer, hallucinating after one beer, I I think it's pretty safe to say that I was talking to a guy there. He was being pretty flirty. I did not accept a drink from him, but maybe when I like turned my back or went to the bathroom or something, he dosed me. I don't know. Either way, I slept in the cemetery. I had no issues that night because I don't remember a damn thing. But other times that I went there, I absolutely saw like things poke out from behind trees, like shadowy figures. Um, at night, there were like glass, uh, like glass patio doors. I saw like a shadow figure standing there many times. I saw like a what I think was a little boy that would look around the corner in the kitchen. Um, when I would cook, he would look around the corner, but it was like a shadowy figure of a boy, if that makes any sense. And I would just say, Hey, like, you know, you're cool to be here. Just don't like scare me or don't like destroy anything. Otherwise, like we're, we're all good. So yeah, I think that stuff is real. Again, do I know what it is? No. Is it the, is it the soul or residual energy of a human being? I don't know. Is it something malevolent? I didn't feel like it was the one that stood outside outside the door felt like something uh, not good. <laughs> I didn't get a great feeling from it. But the little boy I would see, I was fine. It was just like having a kid, another kid in the house. It didn't bother me really at all. You're finding out a lot about me at the end of this episode. Like I've slept in a cemetery because somebody drugged me. Uh, yeah. Places I've slept randomly. I Again, I'm shocked that I'm still alive. I've done some really stupid stupid shit. It's not stupid that somebody drugged me and I was too messed up to open my own door. Oh, and my phone was dead. Like I would have called somebody for help, but my phone was dead. Yeah. Yeah. It was a whole thing. So I slept in a cemetery. That was really one of the most peaceful sleeps that I've ever had. (laughs) I just, I don't even know where I slept in there. I just laid down and went to sleep. Fun stories. Okay. I should stop talking before you guys are like, this bitch is straight up crazy, like not fun crazy, but scary crazy. And I think I should stop listening to her. Don't stop listening to me. Give me your theories on what you think happened. I would love to hear them. 
Well, I appreciate you listening. And if you like what you hear, you can hear more episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays released on all podcast platforms. If you would like to suggest Halloween themed episodes, please, please do that. Send them to me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Autumn's Oddcast, Facebook at Autumn's Oddities, Patreon at Autumn's Oddities. <sighs> God, I'm on threads and Twitter. Just just effing, like, look, look, search for me. I don't know. There's just way too many social media platforms right now. It's exhausting. Um, but if you would like to suggest an episode, I got about 20 outlines going right now for the month of October. Uh, I'm excited. Some of them, like... I'm not going to be able to find a whole lot of information about. So they'll probably end up as like mini episodes or shorter episodes. That'll be Patreon exclusives. Uh, but please, like if you got a good topic, send it to me. You got a good urban legend that's local to you, send it to me. You got like a good haunting locally or a monster or a cryptid, send it to me. Because there's no way to find out all that information. You know what I mean? Like just Googling, it's very hard. All right. That's my spiel. I appreciate you listening. And remember, if it's creepy and weird, you'll find it here. Oh.